0: Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now.
1: Oh my god.
2: Well, it's Lovecraft.
1: Right.
0: I'm not very familiar with Lovecraft's writings. I haven't read really any of them, but I've seen several film adaptations of stuff that he's done, and mm-hmm. it's never never good. I am wearing right now, just by happenstance, a t-shirt for In the Mouth of Madness starring Sam Neill, which I enjoyed the shit out of that movie, but it still wasn't very good. I love In the Mouth of Madness.
2: My microphone... This is this is what I put underneath my microphone. <laughs> it is my complete annotated Lovecraft. This is a very heavy book. In the Mouth of Madness is a great movie. I don't know what you're talking about Curtis. It's very good.
0: No, oh, it is it is very good, but it's got it's you know, it's got its kind of it's 80s moments.
2: Well, oh, no. the so Lovecraft is really really hard to adapt. Yes. In the Mouth of Madness what John Carpenter did with that which I think he did a really good job with was not to adapt a specific Lovecraft story Instead right mm-hmm. you could try and capture the feeling of a Lovecraft story yeah there's always a, like isn't there always a descent into madness generally speaking so the, the, so here's the thing about Lovecraft stories and hi folks this is Apocalypse Now um, we have just finished watching The Color Out of Space I am Tim Harvey.
1: And I'm Dustin.
2: And I'm Curtis. So so adapting Lovecraft has a long, long, long history uh, in short film and in feature films. Uh, I have directed an adaptation of a Lovecraft story. Um, I think we did a pretty good job, actually, all things considered. Wait, hey, I remember that. That was pretty good. That was pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, Dustin did the costume uh, uh, design. Worked and- on that, yeah. Uh, I felt that
0: was one of the better films that came out of that group for a long time. I really enjoyed it. That was good.
2: Well, one of the heart one of the hard really hard things about Lovecraft is that it's usually told from the point of view of a single person. He doesn't right. he he will describe conversations as opposed to there being dialogue. And that's one of the real challenges of adapting a Lovecraft story is that if unless you just want to have a voiceover, which can work but it's hard. Writing good voiceovers is hard. Uh, Performing good voiceovers is hard. Uh, Piece of cake. (laughs) uh, uh, But you end up with having to find a way to tell, you know, because it's usually an after the fact story, right? It's like these terrible events occurred. And and I I was
1: the one witness. Right. Right. And, and here's what happened. And a lot of what love, what makes Lovecraft so special uh, is the way that he describes or, or doesn't describe some of the things that are happening. He leaves a lot of stuff up to the reader's imagination. And, you know, it was so, it was, uh, I beheld it with my eyes, but my brain couldn't conceive it. And, you know there's no way i could possibly describe it which allows the reader's brain to fill in gaps and and create the horrible thing in their own head
2: right right one of the things that's made lovecraft really last is that and we can talk i mean we're we're, we're probably not going to dig into the fact that yes lovecraft was extremely racist and racist for his time he wasn't just what you know you hear the discussions of but he you know everybody was racist then no lovecraft was actually really a racist legit racist you know? uh,
0: well fortunately we're talking about a movie that he didn't right. have anything to
2: do with right. well but i mean there's it's, this this is a topic of discussion right now that comes up when a lot of people discuss lovecraft and and just, just to be very very clear you know yes he was extremely racist but there is this argument of separating the artist from the art uh-huh. and on top of that the thing one keeps in mind when it comes to Lovecraft is so much of what we know from as the Lovecraft mythos, all this, you know, this, this Cthulhu and Marlowathotep and all the, the elder gods and all the big cosmic horror stuff that came out of Lovecraft was a lot of it was actually done by people after him. He paved the way, and of course, all these stories actually—you know—these these Lovecraft adaptations are adaptations of Lovecraft stories. But for the modern audience, a lot of what people think of when they think of their of Lovecraft, they're thinking of August Derleth, or uh, Robert Bloch, or... or a
1: style, or a specific right. style. He created this kind of, you know, unseeable horror style which mm-hmm. created you know which allowed you know people to write using the, the, the imagination of the reader as part of the narrative
2: the problem with this is that it makes it very hard to film things yes
0: <laughs> that
2: whole visual medium where it's like and then I saw a sight that my mind could not comprehend okay Instead, said let's paint this dog purple you have to show <laughs> something there. You can't just say, you know, film is a visual medium. And in the mouth of madness, the old, we got glimpses of that. There's, it's very clever how Carpenter almost never shows you more than a few seconds of anything hey. that isn't. You see a tentacle and then it's gone. Um, Sam Neill is running down that corridor. He was lucky to have a, the quality
0: of actor like Sam Neill... Who could show you in his face what he was looking
2: at? Yes, right. But then you've got these you got these momentary glimpses of what was behind him, but it was never there for very long. So it mm-hmm. allowed, yeah. And when we did uh, the statement of Randolph Carter, which is the what the the Lovecraft story we adapted, that's right. So much of it was, and you can get away with this in a short film more than you can in a feature film. We don't show you almost anything until the very end, right? And even then, it's super fast. Um, but it's been a challenge for a lot of people adapting Lovecraft. This is not the first version of the Color Out of Space. I think it's like the third or fourth. Uh, now, I don't. I don't know what film Bruce Dickinson
0: decided to do, but he did Bruce Dick, from Iron Maiden, the lead singer from Iron Maiden, yeah. did a Lovecraft adaptation, and <clears throat> I couldn't finish it. Th- that movie was worse than this one, and that's saying something. Yeah. And
2: um, I don't know how I feel
0: about this movie.
1: Well, okay. Before we, before we get into The Color Out of Space starring Nicolas Cage, let's do – I'm going to do a really quick Reader's Digest version of The Color Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft. Right. Okay. Okay. Because that's important to know the, the story is important to, to see what they're, where they went.
0: Right. If i if we'd have decided on this after last recording, I would have had time to go and read that story and be well informed. So this is as much for me as it is for the audience that we okay. have both you guys.
1: Right. So the story is told from the point of view of a of an outsider to the town who comes in to do a survey of the land. And mm-hmm during this survey of the land, he meets this family on a farm. And uh, while he's working with, you know, on the land, he hears that there was some sort of thing that happened like a, like a meteor landed on these people's farm. And so he goes back and he sees the meteor and he's like, yes, it's a meteor, like nothing I've ever seen before. (laughs) And so then he moves on and he does more stuff. Well, later he hears that these people on this farm are, you know, are acting strangely or getting sick or something like that. So he goes, I don't remember exactly what it is. So he goes back and he sees them and he sees that they're not doing great. And, you know, they talk about this color, the color of the meteor. They can't describe the color. because It was so, so strange and mystical and beyond the ability of humans to describe. Right.
0: I would have called it purple. Right. Well, you know, in the movie, it's purple. uh so maybe just invent a name like it was grimple
1: yeah so then he leaves (laughs) again and the next time he comes back the whole family is dead and that's it that's the color out of space it's he he he, he
0: he's like well there's a meteor i'll be right back Oh, everybody's dead now. Pretty much. Wow. So
1: the problem that this film had was that it had to establish this family as people we cared about so it could kill them all, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) essentially. For some reason, the daughters were Wiccan. So we can introduce an element of the occult Mm -hmm. right off the bat, which, yeah, that shit's highly annoying to me. I was married to a Wiccan woman and that... Yeah.
1: Wicked woman, why yeah. you do it, spell? <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, I mean, essentially, that's the short. That's the story.
2: I mean, cause the, and the major beats of the film are here. The you've got this. You've got the the scientist who, in in, in true movie form, is, everyone seems to think knows everything about science even though he is very, very clear that he's... Uh, he's, like, he's, like tw- he's like 22, he
0: knows a little bit about testing water, and all of a sudden he's the meteorite expert.
2: Yeah. Right. And so you have the meteorite flash, you have the family falling apart, terrible things happening to them, and at the end you have the meteor has destroyed everything. This color yes. has destroyed the farm, it's destroyed the people, and... Uh, and and I think the mistake that they make in this film...
1: is instead of following ward and his investigation which is ward is the little scientist he's a he's a hydrologist
0: hydrologist yes
1: um instead of following him and his investigation and making what happens to the people on the farm secondary to the things that he discovers the film follows for the most part the oldest daughter lavinia and her attempts to try and save her family from whatever's going on. And so I knew they – I know they did that because they wanted there to be some sort of uh, uh, like connection the audience has to the family. But all it does is it's like it makes you – it made me angry about how little they were doing because they couldn't change the set pieces. The, they had to – to the short story. All these people had to be left on this farm to die. But, and so they had to make stupid decisions to make that happen.
0: Well, well they up- started early by
2: buying alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was not smart. Well, here's the problem with adapting a short story to a feature film you've got all this space you have to film, mm-hmm. you have all this story you have to add. And to be, to be and serious. the
0: science of a short story is economy of words. And that's not what film is,
2: right? And and there's something to be said for the casting here. Okay, um, Nicolas Cage and Jolie Richardson are their two are two leads, and and of course, if you cast Nicolas Cage, who's a big Lovecraft fan, and Jolie Richardson, you're going to use them, right? And there's something to be said for. You know, meteor from space—you know—destroys a family through lots of different ways. Give Nicolas Cage a chance to go full on Nicolas Cage.
1: And you know what? For his full on Nicolas Cage, as Nicolas Cage went, Jolie Richardson went there too. Oh, yeah. she does some stuff in this movie uh, that is so like disturbing. Her performance. While she's being affected by the meteorite And just becoming Because what it does is it makes the uh, You know the adults Angry It makes them angry And do things that are out of character And fight in a way Because it spends a good amount of time At the beginning of the movie Establishing that this is a a family That loves each other And they they have really Like really good Strong snarky family dialogue I thought for the very beginning you know, they joke around with each other. The older brother and sister, like, have this game where they insult each other, say terrible
0: names to each other. Now, now, to me, to me, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, but to me, that dialogue, that series of of events was more like, it felt more like someone who has never, ever known a family, how they imagine a family might be without ever having seen a movie about it. Just maybe read a pamphlet, and then so they wrote a, they wrote family dialogue mm-hmm. after that. That's what it felt like to me. Now,
1: well, I, I mean,
0: the-
1: I come from a family that uh, that my parents uh, the the way that they communicate with each other is to bicker back and forth. Yeah, like my parents don't have conversations; they have complaints.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: so. The way that, that Jolie Richardson's character uh, and Nicolas Cage's character, they don't have real names in this movie. Her name's like Teresa, and his is like Mark or something. It doesn't matter. They're Jolie Richardson Nicolas, and Nicolas Cage. The way that they kind of talked to each other, where they kind of like bickered back and forth, and that's, that struck really real to me. And my sister and I are very much like this. the older two kids were. Like, you know... Oh yeah you of each other yeah, you and,
0: insult each other out of love that kind of thing right you know
1: i mean there's a point where where uh she comes home Well, this is first when we first meet Lavinia's brother Benny she comes home on her horse from doing a spell out in the woods and she's like hey put up the horses you know stuff and do, and he's like i'm not your barn bitch and she's like yeah you are <laughs> <laughs> he starts. He starts lying out, and they're all like, "I think they're all S. They all start with S. Just like all these weird, yeah, like, his alliteration insults.
0: while he's insulting her. Yeah, like, and I thought that miss- was
1: really <laughs> funny and really good—a really good way to. And she didn't like stomp off and like, "Oh, you called me a th- you called me all sorts of names," and you know, it was a thing they did. I could tell that that was a. Yeah. I thought that was a good characterization to give this family
0: real reality. I'll tell you what, I couldn't get in that moment because I was pissed off at the way they handled the Wiccan shit. Oh yeah. Because well, she's supposed to know what she's doing. And for the most part, she did it. Okay. But but when her, but when Ward comes up and starts talking to her, she turns to her left and you don't do that. If you spent all that time setting up a stupid circle
2: like that, it's always clockwise, always all the time. Well, and then the, later in the film, she pulls out the Necronomicon. Now, of course, if you're a Lovecraftian, yeah. you know, the Necronomicon is this book of magic. Uh, it's it's uh, the mad Arab Abdul Alhazred, uh, of course, wrote this tome. It's, 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 the, it's the evil book of the Lovecraft mythos. But what she's got... Is the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties Simon Necronomicon, which I actually in own, paperback in paperback in paperback, right? And um, this was this thing sold really well. By the way, it was an, actually a really really popular thing for people who thought that they wanted to play with black magic and <laughs> and it's it's a dumb book. I mean, it's this so is dumb. this
0: why people think things like abandoned buildings or sa- Satanist gathering places. Yeah, I mean, is some teenager read part of that book and spray painted something on a wall?
2: Pretty much. I mean, so this, this book tries to combine the the Lovecraft, the again, folks, Lovecraft was a fiction writer. The Necronomicon does not exist except for some really cheesy ripoffs and some very clever this is not real, but hey, wouldn't it be cool if this is what the book actually looked like? You can you can spend like sixty bucks and buy like these limited edition Necronomicons. These people have actually crafted this book to make to look like what it's described as in the in the, the short stories.
1: We made so, one for a statement of Randolph Carter exactly,
2: but this is not it. The Simon Necronomicon tries to combine Aleister Crowley, H.P. Lovecraft, and the Sumerians into mm-hmm. some sort of thing. And then it's, but it's all, it's, it's so much bullshit.
0: If it's only uh, really read by people from New
2: England. It's read if, by, it's read by teenagers <laughs> who, who dress in a lot of black and have a fondness for painting their fingernails black.
1: And let's be real, that's who Lavidia is.
2: Exactly. And that, and yeah. so, I mean, oh yeah, goth kid that, or something. That part read completely true as I'm watching this going, this, this kind of teenage girl who thinks this stuff is cool, Would she would find this book in a used bookstore, and she would buy it. Yeah. And she'd try it out. That's, that's, right. and that's not a criticism. It's a teenage thing to do. I mean, it's, it's how teenagers are. That said, yeah, no. Uh, her, her, she was not an actual uh, practicing anything. <laughs> no. She was
1: just a dumb teenager, and that's fine. Dumb
2: teenager. That's uh, fine. She, Everybody finding, in family finding family a, a way,
0: Finding a way to put her hopes and dreams out into the world. And some mm-hmm. people like ritual. It's fun. I do. Sure. It's fun.
2: It's another way to try and give these, char- these characters some, some depth and personality so that when things, bad things happen to them, you care. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. later on when she does it again, I thought, okay,
0: here's the callback to that opening scene, and it's where things start to get better. No. Right.
2: It was it was pointless. Everything she did was just pointless. Yeah, but at that point she was also decided to use herself as a carving board.
0: Couldn't figure that out at all. I don't know yeah. what the blood
2: rites well, were because about. It's, it's because the 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 color is driving them all insane. I mean, they their personalities start unraveling relatively quickly. I mean, once it the film's got the first half of the film is slow. It's just this is yes.
0: Now, I was expecting that by the end of the movie, everything that she was praying for in the beginning came true, but in a horrible way. Mm. I don't think that they... See, this is the thing. This movie was written by dumb shits. I stand by that. I see you laughing, Timothy Harvey. (laughs) I stand by that because because the story structure in this is garbage. Oh, yeah. and, and the way it was shot from scene, or the way it was cut from scene to scene makes no fucking sense whatsoever. It doesn't convey a sense of madness. It's confusion that I get most out of it because, because our, our actors are in one emotional place in this portion, and then the very next cut, it's just maybe another angle, and they're in a totally different emotional place because right. they probably shot that scene two hours later.
2: Well, I think in the case of Nicholas Cage, that's literally what they were trying to do is that he was basically flipping through. I think I, he ended up having about three different personalities by the end of the movie.
0: Yeah. It's like, was, I click, know click, that click, the click, people click. want to see this Nicholas Cage. This is the Nicholas Cage they get for the first 20 minutes and then faced or the it really 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And then Nick, Nicolas Cage phase two started to happen and it got really interesting. And then phase three just happened way too fast. And he just yeah. stayed there the whole time.
1: Which and Nick and the phases of Nicolas Cage are calm, collected, smart, an actor. And phase two is a little kooky, a little crazy, doing the you know, making weird voices. And <laughs> phase three is screaming at the top of his lungs, running around you know, making weird shit happen.
0: He commits to whatever he's doing, 190 million percent. Mm-hmm. And that's why Nic- Nicolas Cage will always get hired. Yeah. You know? Go ahead. I think
1: he did a great... Him and Jolie Rich, like I said, did a great job with the, what they were given for this movie. And I, I think, think so, that the yeah. girl who played Lavinia played, did a really good job. The problem with this movie, like you said, is that it was written by dumb fucks. And they didn't understand that there are a lot of different ways to keep people in one place that aren't just, well, we, why would we leave? You know,
2: fucking chores. It's a farm. Here's one of the problems of bringing Lovecraft into the modern era. So this is set in modern day, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the short story is not the short story. is set in the 1920s, like a lot of Lovecraft's work. It's set in the 1920s, 1930s. And what ends up happening is that something that kind of makes sense in the 1920s—they were essentially trapped on the farm. They didn't have, you know, that there weren't real roads in that part of the country. Um, you know, the 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 anim- the horses were dead. And they they had to walk, but they, you know, but the forest wouldn't let them leave. All the things that make sense in telling a story set in the early part of the 20th century really don't work all that well in now because there's a couple of points in the film where Dustin is literally going, walk out, get, take your feet and walk away (laughs) from the house. And eventually it got to the point where Dustin would say something. And then the characters almost immediately after Dustin would say it, like, I noticed like, that. You, you have to walk away now. We have to walk out now. I mean, that it's, actually it's, happened and I died. I know, it, was, it was a beautiful moment. But, <laughs> and, and suddenly they tell you it's 12 miles away. But we are three quarters of the way through the film before we actually know how far away from anything else Yeah, are.
0: We well, they it said it's the, an it hour
2: drive the, to the hospital.
1: It's just because it's an hour to the hospital doesn't mean it's an hour to town.
0: Right, right.
2: right that's I right. Live, I live um, not that far from UMKC School of Medicine, which has a hospital, and also from St. Saint, uh, Saint Luke's and from Children's Mercy. All of those are within very short driving distance, but it would take me 15 minutes to get from my apartment to Children's Mercy, and I'm probably two, three miles away from it. Right.
0: Well, they and, didn't need it a half a day to get to a town. 12 well, they could have just. Well, raised-
2: they should have and, started walking.
1: <laughs> yeah. But see, that's... I mean, I think that that's where, the, that's where we have... A, my problem with the writing comes in. Because they don't... Like, the mother gets... Has an accident and chops off a fingertip while under the influence of the color, right? Mm-hmm. There's a sequence in the movie where that happens.
2: Oh, it's more than just the fingertip. It's two... It's it's a significant chunk of two of her fingers.
1: Okay. So she and and the dad go they leave to go to uh to uh to the hospital to get her to help her it shows a little bit that like the little the little boy there's three kids there's lavinia her her brother benny who's probably a year older or younger doesn't matter and then little jack jack and it shows in that time that jack jack is becoming very very attracted to the color and that Lavinia is being made sick by it. And it doesn't show... Benny, Benny has no bearing he's or... He's losing or, time. He's yeah, losing he's, time. Right. It would have been so, so easy for them to be like, we need to get the futz out of here. And for them to try and leave the farm and for them all to get sicker and sicker and sicker the farther away from the farm they got. And be like, we've got to go back. We're too, we can't, if we go any farther, we're going to die. It feels like we're going to die.
2: Or do, time, or do the time thing. where. Yeah. where or, know, yes, do
1: the... or do the time thing where it's, they leave, they try to leave the farm, and the next thing they know, they're back at the
2: farm. Or, ultimately, do the same thing we have going on with Jack, where he's basically just staring at the well, which is, because once the meteor disappears, it sinks into the ground and sort of takes up residence in the well, essentially. It's in the water. It's in the mm-hmm. it's in the groundwater. It's in the aquifer, which so it's poisoning them too. By the way, so yeah. they're, they're they're drinking the water. And this thing is affecting them directly. Right,
1: but this this movie doesn't do any of those things that it establishes as reasons why they can't leave. It's just like oh no, we're, where are we going to go? We're not going. Why would we go? Why would we try no. until things really really go crazy, and it's too late
2: like and, and once things go crazy it's we've got we've got family time we've got build up and then it's here's the creature feature <laughs>
0: yeah once the creature feature happened that started to be a little bit more fun you know yeah that was uh you know i was okay with like some, most of the special effects you know were pretty cool there, i it, could tell that some of them sucked because they didn't hardly show anything but silhouettes and very yeah. You know, it was they. They were
2: they weren't proud of their work. Well, but it's also I think they did. They kind of went old school on the practical effects. Uh, yeah, they did.
1: And I think a lot of that also was they were kind of trying to do the Jaws thing, where the less you, the less you see of the creatures, the more uh, your brain fills in.
0: Mm-hmm. I believe if that was a, that was the case, it was on accident. Mm-hmm. I don't think that these dumb shits. <laughs> Would have had the presence of forethought to do any of that.
2: Oh, I don't know. I think they spent a pretty amount, of, pretty amount of thought and time on nightmare fuel. That was the mother and child reunion. Oh, that was some great fucked uppery. I loved it. That was so, good. So yeah. as as all this happens, real, you know, how how things become to start moving into nightmare fuel is there's this blast of light and energy from the color, and it hits. Uh, uh, Jolie Richardson and Jack Jack, and fuses them together into this thing that is is clearly in agony.
0: It and looked cool, but uh, it looked really cool. But I still think, you know, the
2: thing. Well, yeah. Well, and and it, the thing itself, Carpenter's the thing was very influenced by Lovecraft. In fact, it was very influenced by um, uh, at the Mountains of Madness the Lovecraft yes. Antarctica novella. And, yes. but it was also you know, and because who goes there, Campbell, a uh, short story that it's based on was also influenced by Lovecraft because he was one of the core, he was a guy, he used to write to Lovecraft when he was a kid. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> these, these things all tie together and, and there's a reason why, you know, yes, it's very reminiscent of the thing, especially with the alpacas when they merge into one thing. It's like, well, yeah, where do, you think, where do you think Carpenter got the idea? You know, he got it from reading Lovecraft himself. So it's, I just don't know how I feel about this film. And the reason I say that is because I think the film has got some real problems. But there's a long, long history of Lovecraft movies just having problems. Mm-hmm. So when people think of Lovecraft movies, they think of things like uh, The Reanimator. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, which Lovecraft hated those stories because he wrote <laughs> he wrote them purely for money. It was he wrote that he literally wrote them to pay the bills, and he thought they were garbage. Well, they turned out to be very very popular, and they sold, which made him even more unhappy. And then of course Jeffrey Coombs plays the the main character, and how can you go wrong with Jeffrey Coombs? It's Jeffrey Coombs. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, Call of Cthulhu was made the Lovecraft the Lovecraft Historical Society did a silent film version of The Call of Cthulhu, which is beautiful and extremely well done. If you guys can find it, it's out on DVD. I think you can download it from their website. It's really, really well done. But it's a silent movie. It's done just like with the title cards and everything. It's done with the special effects of a 1920s silent movie. It's beautifully done, and I highly recommend it. Um, and they did a follow-up called "The Whisperer in Darkness," which is set in the '30s and '30s or '40s, which is done kind of like a film noir movie. It's not as good as the Call of Cthulhu, but it's it's a pretty decent adaptation. It's very it's very faithful. And there's your balancing act right there, is because if you go too faithful, you either have to set it in the time period that it was written, mm-hmm. and it needs to either be a short film or you, it's not faithful and you expand it and you fill in the blanks with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two unnameable movies. Two. The short story is like five pages long. There were two movies made from this and in, and, and in both cases the thing that was unnameable you could name. It's Julie Strain <laughs> the supermodel in a monster costume. <laughs> the monster is way too hot to be scary. Okay, It's just but i mean there's been there, there are thirty eight feature films based on lovecraft's short stories thirty eight feature films based on stories, none of which were more than twenty pages long so there and and if you think about lovecraft movies that you remember, you think of films like I saw the Unnamable movies I can think of those I saw the Lovecraft Historical Society movies I can think of those from beyond the Stuart Gordon the Stuart Gordon. uh Movies, From Beyond, Reanimator, Dagon. Um,
1: Welcome back, folks, to uh, Tim List's movies he's seen. Hey, I know. Uh, this is...
0: <laughs> don't give Tim no shit. He don't talk that much. <laughs> thing that I was talking about earlier, by the way, was called Chemical Wedding. It was written by Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. oh. And it is about... Uh, a shy, stuttering professor trying to bring Alistair Crowley back to life. That's why I associated it with H. P. Lovecraft.
2: Well, but that's resurrection is a big theme that runs through Lovecraft stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and
1: the weird—I mean, the thing—the hard part about another th- hard part about adapting Lovecraft is that he he hated minorities and women so much and never featured them unless it was in a very negative light. Very negative light. Uh, he would have, he would have been incensed that the daughter was essentially the main character of this film.
2: Oh, he'd be incensed that Lovecraft Co- uh, County is going to be hit in the air. Oh, yeah, and I'm so excited about watching. I'm very excited about uh, Lovecraft Country.
0: There are like 90 references to Miskatonic University in this movie.
2: Well, and that's again, that's very faithful. Uh, yeah, there were like little Easter eggs like that all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, and and so so Love Lovecraft's world was Arkham, um, Miskatonic University in Arkham, town of Dunwich, the town of Innsmouth, and Innsmouth, all of them yes. popped up in here. The yeah. next film that Stanley wants to do because he wants to make three Lovecraft movies, he wants to do the Dunwich horror there's been two film versions of the Dunwich horror one was a sci-fi channel miniseries or sci-fi channel movie it wasn't even a miniseries um, and that's all I need to say about that and then there was um, the 1960s movie nineteen seven no 1970s movie uh, starring uh, Dean Stockwell and Sandra Dee <laughs> and it is a psychedelic mess I mean, it's it's just lean into the flashing lights and the swerving colors, man. Um, but Ed Begley was in it. Talia Shire was in it. Um, there's a lot more nudity than you expect for a Lovecraft movie. Hair, and Dean Stockwell is the bad guy. So... <laughs> Fun. It's not good. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> not good. It's got great. It's got a great poster. Uh, it has nothing to do with the movie, but it's got a great poster. So that's the next one he wants to do. And that one... I don't even know. I I said I just don't know about this film. I can't decide if it's it's the first half is just too slow.
1: Yeah, Um, and and changes happen. Character character changes happen like with a blink of an eye. And I'm not even talking about the character changes where you know these characters are being driven mad by the color out of space. I'm talking about the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Lavinia is all like, we need to get the futz out of here. And she's trying to get away. And she's trying to get away. And she's trying to convince people to go with her and leave. And then something happens. And and she's like, well, I can't leave now. And you're like, Lavinia, the people have showed up to help you. You're This is your chance to escape. And she's like, nope, I'm staying.
0: Well
2: yeah, they I, left the fucking car running. They could go. I yeah. think I think what they were trying to do was show at that point that she was no longer sane, but uh-huh. It's so once you have mom and child become fused, the family starts acting really, really oddly. And the obvious thing you're trying to get from this is they've all gone crazy. The thing has been in; it's influencing them. It's destroying their sanity. All these things. Had they established these things, like in an increment
0: or something, or shown as uh, shown. Some kind of change I could have gotten behind it,
2: but it was just too abrupt. They do, but they don't do it in a way that I mean. So you have these these fights that suddenly break out between uh, Nicolas Cage and Julie Richardson, Mm -hmm. but then they're over, and then and then yeah, bye, honey. You don't actually. They don't. There's no build. You have these like two scenes where it happens, and then you got full on crazy. Yeah,
0: I was thinking of Tommy Wiseau a lot in this movie. Ah. His performances were very similar to a Nicolas Cage performance in this movie, anyway. Well, my tomatoes are terrible. Every single one of my tomatoes suck. You want me to fix
2: the what? Okay, honey. Yeah. Well, the thing is that we need like, to more scenes of that. We need, like, the first start of the movie right. to be 15 minutes shorter. Right. The second, the, the second act needed to be more of the of the disintegration as they all go to pieces. The third act starts when the blast fuses mother and son mm. and then insanity ensues. I mean, that's where it all right. just blows out. The films waited really weird yeah. in the edit.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I think this director, it was his return after 24 years of a failed attempt at another movie that was also weird, <laughs> but, uh, because I don't know if we mentioned or not, but this guy, I don't know, did he get fired from the island of Dr. Moreau? So, yes. yeah. This- okay, so he got fired from there, has done nothing for 24 years. Went to, by the way, I got this off of IMDb trivia, decided to go to Tibet or some fucking place, and, and decided to do, he and Swedish filmmaker Henrik Muller. Apparently performed a ritual to the Lovecraftian god Yod Yog yeah, mm-hmm. while in the, the Pyrenees to get the film made. They were praying to Yog sothoth to get the film made, and
2: oh. look what happened. Richard Stanley is their a dreams character. came true. There is no question that this is an odd guy. Mm-hmm. Um, horror, fan, his his debut film, Hardware, got a lot of horror fans excited. Uh, Fangoria did a, an article on it The photos you know, they had the whole photo spread thing um, a lot of people thought that was good he was going to be a big deal uh, and then he made a film called Dust Devil which yeah. didn't do terribly well and then he made Island of Dr. Moreau but yeah he got fired and he hid out in the jungle and snuck back on set and got made up as one of the animal people Let's in Let's not film. go
1: too much into Island of Doctor Moreau, because I feel like
2: aren't we going to do this Yeah, we're going to have to Is we're going to next uh, but he was a he was a character. He he's an odd guy.
0: Well, I think he's a bit on on the um Maybe I should have bounced back sooner. Kind of. That's the way I feel about him. He could. He probably should have jumped back in the water earlier, he and tried. maybe not. And maybe just done something a little bit commercial, a little bit something to you know tighten your chops in areas. But I think maybe his ego is just like no,
2: I oh, have to tried. do this. He tried. He had I mean, he just he people were not going to hire him for the longest time. People were not going to give him money to make a movie for the longest time. The fact that he even got this made is pretty amazing. Um, however, effective it is, yeah, I don't. Well, know. It know.
0: is. It, I mean, comparatively speaking, I mean, this guy kind of did the right thing. He, you know, comes out of the gate with a smaller effort. You know, not a lot of scene, not a lot of uh, uh, location changes. No, you know, they could do all of the shooting in that house, and it seemed like they did do it. Maybe the attic was a set. I'm not sure.
1: I feel like the attic was probably a set because that's where the big creature was.
0: Oh yeah. They had a lot more control over light. They could do that. Yeah. 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 I'm glad I watched it. I am. But I, I there were like, there were script moments in there that were just like, this is rookie mistake stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think there was there were a couple of moments uh where I just like I took my headphones out and just like threw them down. <laughs> I, <can't,
0: laughs> I cannot listen to this anymore. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, but I mean I'll tell you what though, if you love Nicolas Cage getting weird, you know, like there's bees in my eyes weird, that kind of weird. He get, he fucking goes there this movie. Oh he yeah, does it
1: and I think like I've said before, like I said earlier uh Jolie Richardson gives just as well as she gets in there yeah. because I, she's
0: a she, she's a pro dude.
1: Yeah, she went I mean dark and yeah. you know she gets to play a creature uh she gets to cut her own fingers off. Yeah. She gets to scream at Nicolas Cage while he screams at her.
0: Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, it had to have been fun. I mean, I, sometimes the bigger names that get brought in, they don't have as much fun as everybody else. And I hope that wasn't the case. I hope they were having a blast. I really do. Because uh, that's what they'll be able to take away from this movie. Yeah, Because if it disappears from Amazon Prime, I don't expect anybody's going to try to bring it back.
2: Uh, it This film actually got a lot of fairly good reviews. And one of the reasons seems to be, as I look at some of these, Mm -hmm. is that these people are recognizing that making a Lovecraft movie is hard. And so it seems an awful lot like they're impressed that he was able to get as close to capturing the ideas of Lovecraft as he did. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will also say is about the time this film came out, the movie Annihilation which is the adaptation of the first of the Southern Reach novels, I would recommend, if you're a Lovecraft fan, recommend checking out Annihilation. It's not a great adaptation of the first book of the Southern Reach trilogy because the director was like, I'm not making a trilogy, I'm making one movie and so (laughs) I'm going to tell a a slightly different story here. But it kind of has some of the same story in the fact that something happened and there's this geography that suddenly is very alien and everyone they send into this space this, this part of a coastline either doesn't come back or they come back wrong and they keep experimenting with the kinds of teams they send in and finally they're like okay but well, we haven't sent an all-female team in so let's send in an all-female team and you follow them into this space where it's become very alien and it's clearly not a human environment anymore. And it's a lot of the same uh, questions of identity. uh, The effects are gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie and really disturbing. And the performances are really good.
1: And I would say, I would give the credit to, to, for this movie, for that too. The way that the color creeps in to stuff over slowly over the course of the first uh, of the first two acts mm-hmm. is really effective because at first it's just like there's a lizard that's a purple, and then yeah. some flowers are purple, and then you know slowly but surely over the course, you know before you know it, you've you've almost become accustomed to the color
0: mm-hmm. being
1: on screen. And th- yeah. then when it's like show now, like you realize it's all around you. I really liked the way that I thought that was very effective.
2: The right. color grippable. Grippable. That's, that's kind of where I was going to loop a rack back around to it is that exact thing is that there's a sort of exponential growth of, of the color taking over the visual space of the film. Um, even without the creatures as they appear. So, I, you know, I'd say if you're a Lovecraft completist, if you've seen all the works of that have been adapted, then definitely watch this. If you're a, you know, Nicolas Cage or, or Julie Richardson fan, you definitely should check it out. This is definitely one of those Nicolas Cage movies where he was like,
0: um, I see what you've got in the script here, but I'm just going to do what I want.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I don't know if he said a single word of written dialogue.
0: Yeah, I don't doesn't look like it to me it looked like he was making it all up didn't look like he was improvising it looks like he was writing a script out loud while he was acting it that's what it looked like
2: i'm Uh, sorry and you were saying no it makes sense to me (laughs) it's just it's a it's an odd film guys if you don't i don't know i'm i don't know that i could recommend it but i also can't I guess I, don't, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. Even after talking talking this much about it, I still don't know how I feel about it. I, I can't say that I like it, but I can't say I don't like it either.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in the same spot. I ain't recommended it to anybody, but I probably won't forget it anytime soon.
2: Right. <laughs> but it does make me curious about what he's going to do with the Dunwich Horror because... Uh... It's, nobody's going to give that dude any more money. No. Nope. The thing is, is that this was a relatively successful. Who's going to be film. our hero in Dunwich Horror, though? Who's he going to cast? Well, so that's that's the tricky part because the Dunwich Horror takes place in multiple locations. It has a very well-defined villain. Val <laughs> <laughs> He's putting Val Kilmer in that fucking movie. I don't. I, I as I recall, uh, probably not. But we can talk about that with Doctor Island of, Island of Moreau. Um, but there's there's academics as hero because academics as heroes was something that Lovecraft used a lot. That's that's something that happens in Dunwich Horror. There's the ending of the short story is going to require a budget. So I mean, if they use their money wisely you know, 10 to 20 million, you could probably pull it off. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Because as far as I can tell, that's still a thing that's happening. Uh, we'll see. We'll see.
0: He's going to have to go to fucking the middle of the Congo and do a small prayer to Val
2: Sharfarth. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would... If, of all the Lovecraftian beasties to pray to, I don't know if I would go with Yogg's a thought, but that's just me.
0: I don't know. That's probably the one he could remember. Nerd. that dude doesn't do any research at hey, all. You,
2: if you want to do a successful movie, you get Narlo Authotep, but they just afterwards just recognize the fact that Narlo Authotep is gonna eat everything about you. <laughs> you'll still be walking around, but you'll be hollow inside. Anyway.
0: That's what I love about Lovecraft, because
2: you can still live,
0: it's just the soul he
2: wants. Oh yeah. It's it's you'll just be you'll just be completely insane and confined to an asylum. Gibbering for the rest of your life after you. But he's like, oh, this is so good. Have you tried the the butt end? Is the best part. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so next week, um, because we apparently are are masochists, let's go with that. (laughs) Let's do Um, this. We're going to actually go backwards and and take on the island of Doctor Moreau because apparently we we like to hurt ourselves. We like to cut ourselves in the mind (laughs) guys. I so wish that we could
1: be in the same place to watch Island of Dr.
0: Moreau together. Oh, it would be wonderful, but I do have a surprise for you. I what? it's the reason I brought him up all night. Val Kilmer is going to be on the show with us next week. What? No, no, really. I, yeah, I asked him. He was like, that's cool. Okay. So tune in next week and make sure you listen the whole show. Because Val Kilmer is going to be there probably towards the end, like the last oh, few minutes. I don't believe this,
2: <laughs>
0: but hey, it's important that our audience <laughs> believes it. Our audience doesn't believe this either. <laughs> right? If I have, if I want to have a guest on this goddamn show, I will do it, and yeah, it's going what? to be Val Kilmer guess. because I'm going to send
2: an email.
1: Oh do my it. god! If you got Val Kilmer to come on and talk about Island
2: of Doctor Moreau, buddy. <laughs> This is exactly how we got another person on the show, Dustin. You know this works. Just ask. You never know. <laughs> All you have to do is ask. That's right. But,
0: you know, so many of these guys are like, oh, we don't do podcasts. You know, okay. but you that's know just because they don't like. Shatner won't do a podcast unless you're a really, really famous podcast. <laughs>
2: no. Well, if you can get Val Kilmer on, that would be awesome. And we'll just see what happens. I'm going
0: to email him and Feruza Balk.
1: Twitter at them. That's how That's what we got Mo Collins.
2: I'll probably
0: be able to find somebody to come on that kind of looks like Feruza Balk. You, hey,
1: you might get the real Feruza Balk. I don't necessarily know what she's doing right now. Running a bookstore in Malibu from last thing I heard.
0: Well, she's, you know, she's a super smart, talented lady, so I don't see why she wouldn't want to talk to us assholes.
2: There we go. All right, folks. We're going to leave it there because I just don't know what else we can go with, except for the chance that Val Kilmer will join us next week. So cross your count fingers, on it. Cross your fingers and hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do more of this. Thank you so much for joining us as we experience the color out of space. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, and or have seen the film and you really liked it, or you really hated it. Let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. uh, You can find us on iTunes and podcast.com. You can leave us a comment, leave us a rating. That would be fantastic. We'd love to have that. Uh, And uh, we encourage you to share the show, let people know about it. If you were entertained, Uh, we'd like to always grow the audience, of course, and hear from you. That would be fantastic. Dustin, thank you. Thank you, Tim.
0: And thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim and Dustin. And uh, in the words of Nicholas Cage from this film,
1: ah!
0: Ah! 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 And do that for a while. Do that for a long time. Thank
2: you. And on that note, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Zompocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey and Dustin Adair for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.